we just like j- drive? Should we drive right in? Just yeah, yeah. jazz hands it in. Because <laughs> I said drive instead of dive. So how's that like not being able to have contact with people thing going, huh? <laughs> not too good. <laughs> not too good. Should we just drive? Hey everybody, welcome to episode what sixty three? Yeah, right. Yeah, of I'm sorry, what the podcast? I'm Amanda. Christina here. Christina here. She's trying to sound like super somber, sober, whatever you want to say now, because I gave her shit for talking too much. She did. She was like, it's time for you to start. And you're like, stop fucking talking. <laughs> oh, sorry. So you should, no, I believe it was, it's time for you to start. So get your shit together as I'm like, I'm not saying anything. You stop talking. Stop talking and I can start. Um, what's up dude i feel like we just recorded something but we didn't talk at all beforehand so you can tell me your life oh it's weird we didn't we were just like fucking <laughs> let's get this shit done okay let me retell this story really fucking fast oh we're recording Whew. i your re- lord mary and joseph I, was like, I hit record before i even called you this time i was like no this shit is gonna record we're gonna record <laughs> the whole thing fuck we are getting this done <laughs> guys 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 what a rodeo you know it's like a buck and bronco i don't know i don't know what that is okay yeah and it bucked us off on my story the last one so i made a mistake <laughs> <laughs> so we had to retell the story so the second story seems a little like goofy we're discussing it and then having a heyday with our own minds it's because we are we already knew the story we both did we fucking knew it all I could have told you it. No, I couldn't. That's, I forgot what no. her story was until we were about 10 say, minutes in. <laughs> I was going to say in the beginning, it took you like mm, probably two paragraphs before you're like, oh yeah. Yeah, I remember this story. <laughs> Shit. So uh, yeah. how was your second swab? Oh, that was, that came, that was a weird question, but I, I got where you went with that. Uh, we're recording this the night before my surgery. We're going to, this is going to be three weeks out. Just the just to put it in perspective uh it was better than the first one she did it and i was like oh that was so much nicer than the first time i had it done she's like oh why and i'm like they went deep (laughs) she was like oh and i'm like like they scraped the back of my throat and she's like you don't have to do that i'm like oh good so the technician who did it was just trying to mummify me then good i'm glad we clarified that they were just extra enthusiastic (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it was not as bad it literally felt like a flu test this time i was like oh that wasn't bad at all and she's like what what do you mean i'm like the first time was terrible (laughs) i it it felt terrible (laughs) awful i didn't like that at all so have you been just like trapped in your bedroom since no i've been with my like upstairs with like people i'm my dad hasn't gone anywhere so i've just stayed six feet away from my mom and it's fine fine. she has no symptoms my test came back negative i have no symptoms so i'm not too worried about it but um yesterday because we're doing it on my right leg my surgery and the way the couch was set up like the l part of it was so my it would i couldn't get on the couch basically (laughs) 
Okay. So I'm like, can we turn the couch to the other side of the room? And dad's like, yeah, if we clean the carpets first. And I was like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay, dad, because his way of organizing is just to like move everything to the front of the center of the room and then clean the outside and then push everything back and clean the middle. And I'm like, no, that's not, we're going to move in a circle because we have to move the furniture too. So we're going to just move it all in a circle so it's just an easy transition and we'll shift everything to the left and clean that and then shift everything more and clean that area. So we did that and it worked out really well and we got it positioned and my dad's like, I hate how this is set up. And I was like, me too. It's terrible. It makes our room look really tiny. And I'm like, I feel like we should put the couch against the stairs, which would open it up and put the L shape so it's not sticking out in the middle of the living room. And he's like, yeah, but then we'd have to reroute the cable cords. So we literally sat in the living room for 20 minutes just staring at the furniture until he finally was like, fuck, you're right. We're going to have to reroute all the cable cords. So I was like up in our basement ceiling pulling out cables yesterday. We rearranged the living room twice, cleaned all the carpets and the kitchen. It was a fucking nightmare. But I bet you it's going to be nice once you're sitting up there forever and a day. It is. It's going to be. My tush is going to be happy. My uh, tush. Dude, I have to tell you a story. So this is crazy. I woke up this morning sobbing. Not just my normal, like, I'm having a heart attack. Surprise, wake up. Mm-hmm. I woke up sobbing tears. It was like 4 a.m. and I woke my dad up. I had a dream about my grandpa. Mm-hmm. And I've only ever had dreams about my grandpa, but I never actually met my grandpa. Okay. And um, we were walking in the woods. I don't know why, but whenever I have a dream about him, we're always walking in the woods. And he was wearing the khaki jacket that he always wears in like a lot of the pictures when he's outside that we have. And he said, we we're just walking. All I remember of the dream is that he said, I'm just checking in on you, kiddo. Your grandma's never too far away from her grandkids, but I like to check in every now and then. And he gave me a hug and I could smell like the leaves outside because it was like fall. Mm -hmm. So it smelled like fall and I could smell his cologne, which is Old Spice, which is the same kind my dad uses. And I could like smell his cologne and I started crying because I was giving him a hug and I could like feel him hugging me. And I woke up. And what th- what totally like hit me was he said grandma your grandma's never too far away and he said your grandma um stopped by recently so i thought i should stop by too 4 days ago i got in my car which never smells good and <laughs> it i had about 10 seconds on my grandma bev's perfume hmm. and then it went away and i was like well that was fucking weird hi grandma what's up and then I had that dream today. And so I wake my dad up and my dad's like, well, that's kind of creepy. And I'm like, yeah, but like in a good way, he's like, yeah, why are you crying? And I'm like, and they're like happy tears. This was a very like visceral. Even, I don't, even, if sounds- it, even if it was just a dream, it was very like, I could feel him hugging me. I could smell the leaves in the trees. I could like smell his cologne. Like it was real weird (laughs) yeah that's cool yeah wow i told you that because my story is a little paranormal today Ooh, yeah so it like tied it in it's a woman 
who was murdered, and she allegedly helped solve her own murder. From the dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. There you go. I didn't even ask you how you were. How are you? <laughs> I'm I fine. just realized that. <laughs> Had a school age or shit their pants today. Oh, no. Um, so they dealt with that because I wasn't going to ask them how their butt was doing. Um, <laughs> but just smell like poop all day. And then why did they shit their pants? Um, I don't know. I asked him what happened. He goes, I don't know, it just happened. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he probably he overtrusted a fart. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I think he just trusted some gas a little too much. Um so that was fun. It was actually a pretty good day. This week started pretty fucking rough. Cried a lot on Monday, but it's why? gotten better now. Because they're just rough. It's oh. just rough. They're very. They're kids that are cooped up and are out of their mm. normal routine. Yes, but they're very disrespectful on top of that. Like, it's like uh. retraining them to treat humans like humans. So it gets to be a bit much. You don't feel heard for nine hours a day, and then you just start getting super frustrated. So, yeah. So, you know, that's about where I'm at. But today was a pretty good day other than the poop and then <laughs> yeah but i'm good yeah good gotta go live here at seven and got a few things to get done before that so that it can so, so i sh- shut up and start telling my story sure tell me <laughs> tell me i mean i tell don't me. mind talking sometimes it's cool. no i said so i should shut up and tell you my story oh i know i didn't say but, you should shut up but yeah so life is good Just a little crazy and super busy for being a time when, like, most people aren't doing anything. You have a halo right now. I know, because I usually turn turn that light off when I do, like, my face. Venmo? What the fuck is... I'm... I... Did you have a stroke? (laughs) I'm broken. Zoom. Whenever I zoom, I usually turn that light off, and I have the lamps on up here so it illuminates my face, but since we're not, like... Since it's you and me and nobody's really looking at us except each other... We're just I look really backlit. attractive today, by the way. Girl, I just I, my face looks square. <laughs> first thing I did today was fucking yeet my bra right off my body. So <laughs> fucking yeet. <laughs> I'm like, I'm over you, bye. And then I took my pants off and I walked out and I was like, I should probably put like shorts or something on. My curtains are open because <laughs> I opened the windows because there's a nice breeze happening right now. You know. I'm sorry. What did you open? The windows. No, what did you open? Oh, the winders. The vendors. <laughs> the vendors. All right, kid. Tell okay. me this paranormal story. I want I want to be creeped out. Okay. So it's the 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 murder of Teresita Bassa. Uh and she allegedly helped solve her murder after she was murdered. So mm. we're gonna get into it. It's actually a very short story because but I found it and then I was like, I have to tell this. This is crazy so uh she was born in the philippines in 1929 and moved to the united states in the 1960s okay what were you doing in the 1960s or in 1929 both no 60s 60s bish i was high as (laughs) hell (laughs) i was like acid tripping like this (laughs) i could see you being a hippie Right? Fuck yeah. 
why not i mean if why the fuck not you know why the what fuck are, not hey what were you doing why is it okay just so you know all i see is your nose and mouth right now <laughs> hey what were you doing yeah i have my picture your picture is like my full screen and then my picture is this little square on top so i'm like not looking at my picture <laughs> i'm like all i let me, i have to take a picture that just stay right where you are <laughs> okay i'm gonna snap you in <laughs> literally just your fucking like splayed nostrils in your splayed nostrils i don't think my nostrils are big enough to be splayed (laughs) they're not like mine that i can i mean i don't know if you go from this to like this yeah dude no they're wide (laughs) (laughs) okay sorry what was i doing in the 1960s i was um i hadn't been reincarnated in that life cycle yet i was Oh yeah, I can't think of anything. So that's the worst fucking story ever. Is it because I told you you can't say you're a whore in a brothel all the time? Is that why you weren't reincarnated yet? <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, I closed it. Tell me more. Okay. Tell me more. So she moved to the United States to study music, and then she became a respiratory therapist at Edgewater Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. My. Her- around chicago why do weird we keep fucking i know okay okay sorry i was like what wait (laughs) wait what uh friends described her as quiet and unassuming and the last person you would expect to be a victim of a violent crime Uh, so at 9 p.m on the night of february 21st in 1977 the fire department was called out to a fire in an apartment building uh, firefighters weren't really prepared for what they saw once they broke into the apartment that was on fire. Apartment 15B, when they arrived, um, after putting out the fire, they discovered the burned, unclothed body of Teresita with a butcher knife sticking out of her chest, and she was covered by her mattress. Holy shit. Uh, investigators believe that the fire had been set to cover up the murder. Uh, There was evidence that she was the victim of a sexual crime, but the autopsy determined that she had not been raped. So it was almost staged to be a sexual crime. Okay, so they just wanted people to think it was? Yes. Uh, She seemed to be, there seemed to be no apparent motive for the crime and investigators found little physical evidence because most of it had been destroyed by the fire. Okay. One piece of the evidence that was found was a memo that stated get theater tickets for a period s period uh the police pursued several leads but they were all dismissed they suspected that a s may have been involved in the crime but they did not know what those initials stood for or who they were uh her boyfriend who she had allegedly argued with was considered a possible suspect uh but after a couple of months um it was determined that he wasn't and then after a few leads the case basically went cold okay that was until about five months later uh teresita's co-worker uh remy chua who was another native of the philippines and her husband joe contacted the detective in uh charge of the case which is joe stachula uh, claiming to have information about the murder okay so remy told 
the detective that shortly after the murder, she began having visions and dreams in which Teresita appeared to her, begging her to go to the police and tell what had happened to her. Okay. One night, Remy, or so she was telling her husband this and her husband wasn't believing her. She was like, you're just traumatized because a coworker was murdered. You know, you don't, this isn't anything. But one night when Remy was taking a nap at home, her husband noticed that she was talking and he described her as speaking in another voice. Oh, that's the scary. voice said that she was Teresita Baza. She told Joe that her killer's name was Alan Showery. The voice claimed that Showery was an orderly that had worked at the hospital. She urged Joe to go to the police. Uh, but when Remy woke up, she claimed to have no memory of what had happened. And he decided that he was just going to let it go as being like a night terror and did not go to the police. Right. Because if he's looking at it like, well, well he has no proof. Dream- right. Been dreaming about this anyway. So maybe yeah. it's like talking in your sleep, having this dream. Right. right. Okay. Makes sense. So. Uh, then it, it happened again. Uh, she was taking a nap in the afternoon. Joe came home and Remy started talking, uh, in that weird voice. Uh, he, she asked, specifically asked Joe why he did not go to the police. Uh, he then, he responded back to the voice saying that he had no evidence against showery. Keep in mind, this is coming out of his wife who was asleep. This is, it's, and it's so weird. It's so specific. Right. Uh, He said that he had no evidence against Showery. The voice then told Joe that Showery had taken Teresita's jewelry after the murder and given it to his girlfriend. There was the proof. What the fuck? So, they called Detective Joe Statula and said, hey, this is really fucking weird, but this is what we got. Maybe you want to look into it. Because remember get tickets for AS was really their only piece of evidence and Alan Showery's initials are AS. Right. So, and unbelievably, there was an orderly named Alan Showery who worked at Edgewater Hospital with Teresita. The detectives thought it was worth a shot. Uh, They went to his apartment uh, where he lived with his girlfriend, uh, Yanka Kamluk, I think is how you say her last name. They asked Showery to voluntarily accompany them to the police department because they thought he could help with the investigation. Uh, He agreed, and his girlfriend stayed home. While at the police station, uh, the detectives caught Showery in a number of lies, and he actually stated that he went to Teresita's apartment the night of the murder to fix her television, but that she had called him to cancel, so he went home to fix... uh, So he just went home. Okay. The detectives decided to go back to the apartment and speak to Showery's girlfriend. She stated that she knew nothing about any electrical problem. Oh, so I'm sorry. I skipped a part. So he went to Teresita's apartment and then to fix her television, but she had called him to cancel. So then he said he spent the night at home fixing an electrical problem in his apartment. Uh So then the detectives decided to go back to the apartment and talk to his girlfriend who stated that she didn't know anything about an electrical problem and said that Showery doesn't know anything about fixing electric electrical problems. 
they then asked her if he had given her any jewelry lately and she stated that the pendant that she was wearing and the ring she was wearing were given to her as a late Christmas gift. Uh, one of the detectives called the individuals on the list that was given to them by the voice of Teresita and asked them to come to the police station. So that voice had also listed her cousins and told Remy and Joe that her cousins could confirm that that jewelry was hers. Wow. That's what I mean. It's so specific. Like, right. So the police took those names, called her cousins to come to the police station. And, uh, Teresita's relative showed up at the police station around the same time that they brought his girlfriend to the police station Uh and the family positively identified the jewelry as belonging to Teresita. Wow. Okay. So under, because of those new developments, uh, Alan Showery actually gave a full confession when they presented him with saying, Hey, this jewelry belongs to Teresita. Where did you get it? And he confessed. Holy shit. So the trial started on January 21st, 1979, and the defense tried to block the psychic psychic testimony. The judge allowed it. The trial ended in four weeks in a mistrial because the jury was deadlocked. Uh, He then pled guilty while awaiting a new trial and was sentenced to 14 years for the murder and four years for each aggravated arson and robbery. However, he was released, though, in 1983 after only serving less than five years. Seriously? Yeah. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Less than five years for murder? Yeah. Because bullshit. he was out on parole. That's some bullshit. That's some bullshit. Um, so, that is kind of the conclusion of the case, is he was released, he was guilty of murder he pled guilty accepted a plea bargain went to jail out on parole so some of the arguments against it being like a um paranormal case is that remy was a respiratory therapist at edgewater hospital as well okay she was also familiar with both teresita and alan showery because they worked in the same hospital in the same unit um, there had been other employee reports that Remy was frightened of Alan Showery prior to the murder and other reports that had com- that where Showery had complained about the quality of Remy's work. So these two had interactions at work prior and Remy had indicated that she was not comfortable around him. Okay. So it is possible and this is what people have presented is that Remy somehow became aware of all the information through other means. So Um, whether she knew overheard him talking at work, something because there was five or six months between the murder and when she came forward. Um, So through mutual friends, coworkers, family members, um, and that she was so frightened of Alan Showery that she had to make up, that she was being possessed right or was having these trances or dreams so that she could say it wasn't her telling on him it was could it, from the grave could it have also been this is me and my 
psychological interest Mm -hmm. that she was so afraid, but she had this information and subconsciously it was basically coming out of her. She may not have even realized that it was happening, but she was like, so they said it was rather either subconsciously or a conscious, they, they couldn't say for sure, but it could be a subconscious decision that she had to tell it, but she was terrified to tell it. Right. Um, so she didn't even, she had suppressed it and it was coming through almost Mm. like a multiple personality kind of thing. Right. It's like Um, under high stress. Yeah. So, but I just thought it was really interesting. Like it was, I mean, I'm sorry, it wasn't a very long story or whatever, but I just thought it was very interesting and very like weird. I'd never heard it before. And it's kind of a weird scenario, but it's one of the only cases where it is widely accepted that the person who was murdered helped solve her murder. Wow. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Wow. I enjoyed finding that one. Right? And it's fine that yours is a little short because mine ended up being a lot longer than I thought it would be. Well, god damn it, Amanda. It worked out. I mean, it's still (laughs) only like maybe five pages. Like, it's not crazy (laughs) long. I'm just kidding. But, like, when I first started looking into what I did, didn't think it was going to be very long. I'm like, dang it, I might have to do two tiny stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then, just kidding. All right. Oh, All right. are you ready to tell me your story? I guess not, because you just put a fucking Twizzler in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Just hold on, ma'am. <laughs> Bitch, I haven't eaten since 11 o'clock this morning. I had a big, gooey, messy burger. I'm so hungry, but I don't want to waste any time when I got home to make food. So this is my dinner right now. When I first went into this, I looked up unsolved disappearances, right? Okay. Because I was like, I want to do something unsolved. You know, okay, cool. You know how I love those. Right. Well, I don't know who recommended them a couple weeks ago when I was like, I don't know what to do. And you're like, do it unsolved. We don't do those much. (laughs) (laughs) That might have been me. It might have been you. So I looked up unsolved disappearances. And then I found a list of like, unsolved mass disappearances so more than one person at a time you know and i was like "Ooh, interesting so then i click on this the disappearance of ann miller patricia bluff and renee brule and went to town bitch we got okay so like their disappearance is pretty like cut and dry there's not really any leads it's obviously still unsolved but it brought us into a weird chicago gangster territory so yeah i was like theories it's not even it's it's a syndicate it's like weird it's really cool okay so anyway i'm gonna tell you about the disappearances okay of ann miller patricia bluff and renee brule and then kind of tell you about four other stories that come with this okay (laughs) so on the morning of July 2nd in 1966, we already did the 60s, so we <laughs> so don't we need don't to need talk to about that. <laughs> Christina wasn't reincarnated. I was high as fuck. <laughs> and <laughs> so uh, the morning of July 2nd, Ann Miller, who was 21 at the time, picked up her two friends, Patricia Bluff and Renee Brule, who were 19 from the Chicago homes. Okay. Okay. Bluff and Brule were high school friends and they had met miller from the stable that they all kept their horses at 
Okay. Is it weird that my girl was probably working at the hospital in Chicago when these girls went dis- would disappeared? That's what I'm saying. When you said that, I was like, mine's in Chicago. And then you were saying the 60s. I'm like, well, mine like spans over like a total of like 30 something years, but it starts in the 60s. <laughs> she was probably getting news stories about these girls going missing. Oh, I'm sure. It's so fucking weird. Okay, sorry. Continue. Time, time, time is Time's weird. weird. <laughs> it really is. Like, no joke, when I read stuff about history and then I'm like, dude, this and this were happening at the same time across the world. Like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> Vert de frick. Vert de frick. Okay. So that day they were headed towards a beach in the Indiana Dunes on the shore of Lake Michigan. It was only about an hour away from Chicago. Mm-hmm. So they weren't like driving far, but being it was 4th of July weekend, they were going to go do something fun. Okay. They got there around 10 a.m. and the beach was extremely busy and full, uh, considering it was the long weekend mm-hmm. holiday and it was very hot outside that weekend. Right. So they were just like, everybody was at the beach. Later that day, as the sun was going down, a couple got the attention of a park ranger and told him that they had seen three women go into the water at about noon and they were talking to this man that was on a boat the boat was about 16 to 18 feet long it had it was colored blue and white with three hulls and the man was tan in his early 20s and had dark wavy hair okay so they were talking to this man the couple said that they watched the women board the boat and it left right so they watched them leave but then the women never came back and they left all their belongings on the beach and it was almost sundown now so this couple was a bit concerned because they were sitting near them Mm -hmm. the rangers gathered their belongings which included their purses their uh shoes (gasps) and all of their clothes so they literally just left in their swimming suits And they left everything else there. Yeah. So the rangers gathered up all these belongings and they brought it to the office. But being it was a busy and long weekend, they kind of got forgotten about. Like the belongings came in. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were like, well, and the way that they look at it is like they just forgot their stuff or didn't bring it, get their stuff. They left it for the night and they'll come back and get it, you know? Mm -hmm. So they brought it and basically put it in like a lost and found type of situation. And so it got forgotten. And two days later, Renee Brule's father had called the ranger's office in a panic. The ranger pulled out the things and they found the the set of keys that belonged to the car that had been sitting in the parking lot for the last two days. Um, yeah. So it's just like all sorts of things. So anyways, there was quite a few searches that were brought to the like land surrounding and into the water of the lake Mm because it was like michigan you know um but by this time the women had already been missing for 48 hours so the likelihood of them being found alive alive in the water yeah is not great right to top that off in the last 48 hours, there had been thousands of people visiting this beach right. because of the long weekend. So any of the evidence that they thought they would have had was basically... Gone. Yeah. 
there was no nothing saying that it was specifically tied to these women except their stuff that was gathered at the end of that day right um so the first thought was that the boat had that they had hopped on had sunk because not far from where they had last been seen there was boat seats found oils oil and gas cans and then pieces of like treated wood that would be off of a boat so they were like well maybe sunk and you know they drowned you know Mm -hmm. but the issue with that is that they couldn't really date when these things from the boat that they found so it could have happened a long time ago and just started yeah yeah because it's like Michigan's pretty big yeah yeah so they didn't know how long they had been there plus two of the three women were really good swimmers so they doubted that they would fall into the water and end up drowning because as big as Lake Michigan is, they should have at least been able to reach like some sort of port or harbor if they were in the middle. You know what I mean? Well, like, unless they hit their head or something, but yeah. Right. But like they said, for none of them to show up and nothing to show up of them was a little odd. Right. It's so, not like there's big creatures in the lake that are going to eat their bodies. So exactly. So they're mm. like, I mean, <laughs> this is, that's an unlikely thing, but it is a theory. Mm-hmm. So then the police thought that maybe they had purposely disappeared. Um, there was only one of the women, Renee Brule, who had a husband. The other two didn't really have anything other than just their like immediate family tying them to the area. Yeah. So they were kind of like, maybe they just decided to leave. And in the purse that they found on the beach, there was actually a letter that Renee had written to her husband stating that she was going to leave him because he spent too much time working on his cars and spent too much time with his friends and not enough time with her and this letter was dated two weeks before their disappearance so they were kind of like not really sure why she didn't give it to her husband because that's a 14 days is a bit much to just that also could just be a dramatic like that's see and that's what her family and friends said they were basically like we're guessing that she wrote this letter in like a fit of being angry at him and then Mm -hmm. put it in her purse and may have even forgotten about it right that it was there and when they talked to her husband he's like he had no idea that she was unhappy like oh that's so so sad so that's like that's where they think that maybe they got into an argument over something and she was not being dramatic but being dramatic and being dramatic yeah yeah and wrote it so Either that or she wrote it out just to get out her frustrations and then mm-hmm. just Forgot decided not it. to give it to him. Mm-hmm. It seems like the women had their own minor personal problems, but nothing worth faking their own deaths for. So yeah, they're kind of like... It seems like a weird conclusion to get to. Yeah. So that's where they're like, that's probably not the case that they just disappeared on purpose. Right. Boop, boop, boop. So... Right. I was just rolling down my thing. Because I went rogue. Right. So, if these theories are unlikely to have happened, the most likely one is that they met foul play. If this is the case, there are two possible suspects or circumstances. And this is where we end up getting into the rabbit hole of stuff. Okay. First, there was a pair of abortionists um, that lived in Indiana, and Miller had said recently to one of her friends that she was three months pregnant and it was possible that 
Patricia Bluff had also said something to one of her friends about being pregnant. So being that uh, abortion was illegal at the time in Illinois, they there was a husband and wife team that did like black market abortions named Helen and Frank Largo. Okay. In Indiana. So they believe that the day the women disappeared, this is just a theory. Obviously this is all conjecture. Nobody really knows what happened, but mm-hmm. um, the day that the women disappeared, the couple's nephew was actually at the same beach on that same day. And they think that possibly he could have been the man in the boat because he matched the, um, description of the man okay so they think that they possibly hopped onto the boat they took them to a boathouse where the couple was performing these abortions and something went wrong and then maybe they were killed to keep them quiet and dumped their body into the river so that it would go downstream rather than wash up on shore oh okay if that makes sense but as far as I know, their bodies haven't been found. Okay. So, but at the same time, if it went to a different state, it may have just been an unID body mm-hmm. then, you know. So, seems a little, a little shaky, but it's I mean, a it's a possibility. Yes. Theory number two. This is where, <laughs> where we get there. Okay. Uh, I call this theory stable drama. <laughs> stable drama <laughs> it's the horses the horses fucking did it didn't they <laughs> it was it was the horses so oh, they four months they, yikes, yikes. <laughs> four months before the women went missing family and friends say that patricia bluff had a bruise on her face that looked like she had been hit by a fist it's always patricia when <laughs> patty in um, patty manny's sorry she's a when okay. when they asked her what had i'm like she disappeared she's probably <laughs> dead let's not make fun of her too much um so they asked her what had happened and she said that she was having problems with syndicate people quotations around that and everybody's like the stable was owned by a man named george j okay who had a rival breeding brother brother half brother Okay. Who also breeded horses named oh, Silas sh- J. Oh, shit. Went by Cy. Cy was a bit of a gangster who viewed himself as a businessman, but he was actually the head of a criminal network called the Horse Syndicate. Syndicate people. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. This network was made up of all sorts of realms of people that dealt in the dis- in the business of horses. So there was like trainers, breeders, veterinarians riders all sorts of things like every level there were people in it and basically what they did was they went through these intricate plans to kill horses and get the money for the insurance so they take their like good breeding horses insure them and then make it look like they died of a natural cause or they disappeared or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be and get the insurance money this was like their big thing and apparently it yeah yeah so Cy hated his brother george the two the gangsta mm-hmm. hated his brother george because one of george's horses beat Cy's horse in 61 okay so he's like all upset because george's horse money horse did horses. better mm-hmm. right but seriously men that's what that's what i wrote i went dot 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 men like 
who the fuck hates down. their brother because they're because horse his, one because his horse is bigger or better <laughs> calm down there sigh after all that happened though Sai swore that he would kill his brother george okay Sai like, seems like a bit of a bitch Sai is a little bit of a psychopath <laughs> let's be honest here so in june of 65 so this is when it kind of turns into a story of the story about like Sai and this gangster thing and i'll come back to the other stuff but like got it girl so in june of 1965 George asked one of his riding instructors to run errands for him. He said, you can go ahead and take my car, just run in and get this, this, and this, you know. Mm-hmm. And when this instructor started the car, a bomb exploded and killed her. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, the police knew that it was Psy. Like, they, there was this whole thing, but they had no physical evidence of it, so they couldn't do anything about it. Jesus Christ. Um, the bomb had been planted at the stables where the woman kept the horses. Mm-hmm. So that's where they thought that maybe they saw something they weren't supposed to see. And clearly, Sai didn't have any issue with killing people, and he made them disappear. Okay. Okay. So Sai had a violent reputation being linked to some of the most notorious crimes in Chicago at the time. Starting at 17, he had been convicted of rape and went to the state reformatory for a year. Then... As an adult, he was connected to the murders of Robert Peterson, who was 14, and his two brothers, John and Anton, who were 13 and 11. So he's like a serious psychopath. Yeah. So the one with these boys, this was in 1955, and he's connected to it. He didn't, like, kill the kids. Mm -hmm. I'll explain it here in a little bit. But, yeah, he's, like, seriously, like, violent, crazy person. So... The boys had gone to downtown Chicago to watch a movie and never came home. Their nude bodies were found a couple days later. This was solved in 1994. So it happened in 55 and wasn't solved until 1994. Uh, The boys were hitchhiking and picked up by a horse trainer named Kenneth Hansen. Hansen had taken the boys to size stables where he worked and killed the boys. (gasps) Sai apparently Sai like walked in and witnessed it and rather than like turning in Hansen he just helped him dispose of the bodies because he didn't want it to ruin his reputation for his business yeah so he's a psychopath yeah so then eight months later the stable somehow just caught on fire with which they presumed was arson but again there was no like evidence of it but they mm-hmm. think that Sai had up. Yeah, Sai had asked to have somebody burn everything down. Mm -hmm. Plus, bonus for the insurance of everything that was in it. So, right. The money is the money. The money. The money. So, over the following 10 years, so after 55 from like all that time, Mm -hmm. Sai constantly threatened his brother George. Um, he had hired multiple people to kill him or at least attempted to hire people to kill him in 1966 one of the men who had been hired went to the police and when it came time to testify he said that he had amnesia I'm assuming he was just freaked out and didn't oh I imagine scared to do it and he was sent to jail for 30 days for contempt because he refused to talk yeah and Sai was acquitted George obviously feared for his life, so he had put a tracker onto Sai's car secretly so that he could know where he Jesus. was to make okay. sure that he wasn't going to kill him or he wasn't just waiting someplace for him. 
on uh, January 19th of 1969, George had one of his employee's sons, uh, Frank Michelle, go to change the battery on the tracker that was on Sai's car. Only a, mm, only a few hours later, Michelle was dead. So Knew it. Here's, here's what Sai said happened. Sai says that he was watching TV and someone rang the doorbell. So he got up, grabbed his gun, and hollered, who's there? Because being he's a criminal, you know, he's always, like, on his guard. Paranoid, yeah. Yeah. Sai said that there were three shots that were fired into the door, so he returned fire. And then he went and got two more guns from upstairs, one being an M1 rifle. Jesus. So very high-powered. And he continued firing at Michelle from the second-floor window as he fleed. He, through the vendor. Yep. Sai then walked outside, stood about eight feet away from him, and shot the already dying Michelle with his rifle two times, so he just killing him. him down. Yeah. This somehow was ruled self-defense. Okay. I don't know how. It was but probably somehow Sai paid somebody off. Yeah. And he wasn't charged with anything. He just was let off. Yeah, he death paid it for that. Uh, so then, on October 28th of 1970, Sai actually was able to kill his brother, George. <gasps> As George was playing cards with his family at his home on his son's 16th birthday. Oh, Jesus Christ, Sai. A bullet was fired through a window at his house by a hitman killing George. <gasps> yeah. Sai was arrested, and in 1973, he was convicted of conspiracy not murder okay so he was sentenced to six to 20 years in prison serving the minimum fucking a and he was released in 1979 he died of leukemia july 13th of 1987 okay okay so this is size thing but after his death the fear faded and witnesses began to come out and come forward from different crimes that they knew the syndicate was in had their hand in you know yeah the crime that tied these crimes together though may not have even been committed by them but it is what opened up that pandora's box of the things about the kids and the things about all this other stuff so the case of helen brock in 1960 or excuse me she was 65 not 1965 (laughs) she was 65 year old 65 years old and she was a candy heiress um Last seen in 1977, leaving the Mayo Clinic of Rochester, Minnesota. Oh, huh. oh man. Her chauffeur and houseman, so basically like her helper, her assistant. Her butler. Yeah, says that she was home for a few days after that. And then he drove her to the airport because she wanted to go to Florida. So when he dropped her off Florida. at the airport. Florida. <laughs> so he dropped her off at the airport. And then didn't report her missing for two weeks even though she he heard nothing from her knew nothing about what was happening and he was like her go-to so somebody got paid off yeah something something's not right there and while she was gone he had two of the rooms in her house painted and one of them recarpeted so that's where yeah that's where they're thinking something happened he took a couple polygraph graph tests and failed when they asked her about him about her whereabouts 
He also had said that they had gotten into an argument before she disappeared and that he had stolen money from her. So he's like admitting everything but killing her, right? Mm -hmm. The weird possible tie is that is that of a (laughs) they said a gigolo (laughs) horse seller named Richard Bailey. I was like, "What?" I'm just gonna let it go. Just keep going. Jiggle I just had to. Up. I just had to throw it out there because I was like, "What the fuck?" Do so, male gigolo, <laughs> right? So Bailey was a business partner of Sai's nephew, and Bailey had been dating Brock at the time, right before her disappearance. And he was actually selling her horses at inflated prices, so he was scamming her. Uh, the authorities thought that Brock may have figured out that he was swindling her and said that she was going to go to the police and so they think that bailey made arrangements to have her killed whether he killed her or someone else killed her okay and this also may have possibly been ordered by Sai. a couple things said because at this time he was in prison but he was still running his horse training businesses and still you know a lead guy in this syndicate so they're wondering if he may have like ordered to have her killed because she was a loose end in 1995, Bailey pleaded guilty for racketeering and fraud, but Brock, but he said that he never swindled Brock and he never killed her, that he loved her and he was, you know, whatever, right. whatever, whatever. Anyway, so even though he wasn't charged with Brock's murder, the judge sentenced Bailey to the max he could for what he was charged for 30 years. Um, because he figured he probably did kill her and mm-hmm. we don't need a, someone so crazy out on the streets yeah so it, he's been imprisoned um since then and in 2017 he asked for a clemency hearing and that's the last i could find from like his legal happenings okay the house the man the houseman was never charged with Brock's disappearance either, and he died in a nursing home in 2011. Okay. Brock's disappearance was important because this, even though it may not have actually had anything to do with the syndicate crimes, like it may have just been the houseman or whatever, mm-hmm. it made all these other things surface, including the killing of the horses for insurance, leading them to Kenneth Hansen, who killed the boys, being who was charged in 1994. Um, and this Hanson guy is like suspected of like hundreds of not killings, but like abusing boys over the like 40 years that he was free before he got charged. Well, you don't just kill three boys and then go about your day. Like you're right. Something else. Right. So he was convicted of the three murders and appealed. He again went to trial in 2000 and again was found guilty and he died in prison in 2007. I couldn't find what he died of, but hopefully something painful. Exactly. So with all those random ass stories being said, the disappearance of Ann Miller, Patricia Bluff, and Renee Brule, I always want to say blur, but that's mm-hmm. not it. Brule are still like unsolved and they're considered a cold case and they genuinely have like no leads whatsoever other than this like possible connection because of the stable and even then it's like loose because it was george stable that they left it at and like it's a very i don't know it's just i thought it was really interesting and then all of a sudden i was like looking out 
these other little fucking things. I'm down a rabbit hole. (laughs) Bitch, I need to know everything. (laughs) And then I was left unsatisfied because I didn't know what happened to the girls. You blue balled yourself. Pretty much. Yep. You have no one to blame but yourself, Amanda. I know. I'm a terrible human being. You're good story, though. That was good. Thanks. I enjoyed that. I thought it was different. Yeah. Which I liked. It was weird. There's a lot of weird, like, rabbit wormholes we had to go down. I know. I was like, we're just going to do, like, three mini stories in this story. (laughs) It's fine. I can do it. They're all connected. It's whatever. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I got nothing funny to say. Dude, this is... This is it for like two weeks now. Three weeks. Yeah. Two. Yeah, because we just put that one out. I'll have to figure out our other. Better not be doped up by then. That'd be a long time. Mom goes, dude, I was on painkillers for six weeks the last time. Um, Mom goes, well, you could be on painkillers. You like to be drunk when you're recording. I bet you being high will be just as fun. <laughs> My mom. <laughs> She goes, well, wouldn't that be funny to do it when she's loopy? I'm like, she already talks so much when I'm trying to tell stories. <laughs> she's going to go down so many rabbit holes. Her brain's not even going to connect things. She's just going to be like, well, and then I saw this and this and this. I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> it's like she already has enough rabbit holes as it is when she's making up things in her mind. Like she thinks I say something because she's loopy. Could be interesting. <laughs> Sounds like a great way to get to the end and be like, Nielsen, shut up. Nielsen, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> I can't I can't think anymore. My brain, I've lost cells. <laughs> she goes, but it could be funny. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, it could be funny. She's always fucking funny. <laughs> that sounded angry. <laughs> Why are you so aggressive? Why are you so mad? Uh, all right well all right, let's wrap this shit up you got things to do i've got things to do deal let us do it follow us on the facebook the instagram not even say twitter fuck, fuck twitter. it don't even say twitter uh, until i'm like us- on it we don't have to say it anymore send us an email at swthepodcast at gmail.com comment um, rate review so, yeah just do your interact with the stuff spread the word spread yourself all over town. wash your hands you little nasty ass <laughs> thanks for listening bye bye